Hello and welcome to the Date Night Movie Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Russell, and with me is my co-host, Ashley Russell. Hey! On this episode, we're talking about two movies that were released straight to streaming on Christmas Day. The first is Wonder Woman 1984, which is playing both in theaters and will be available on HBO Max uh, for about a month. The second is Pixar's Soul, which is available exclusively on Disney+. And, you know, so obviously these are two, like, very big-budget, high-profile movies that were supposed to come out back in June. But if you remember, you know, back in June, theaters were closed. And uh, they were closed the entire summer. We just, I mean, we we literally just had an entire summer without any theatrical movies. Yeah. That's so so sad. For me, yeah. It's real sad. (laughs) Even, like, a mediocre, you know, summer blockbuster is better than nothing. Because it's, I mean, it gives you something to, you know, escape the heat. It gives you something to you know watch and engage with and talk to other people about. It's you know even bad movies are still a gift. Yeah, is how I look at it. And um, so yeah, I mean movies were definitely missed over the summer. And um, you know because this pandemic seemingly only gets worse with each passing day, <laughs> these movies are available to stream in the safety of your home. Yep. Uh, for the price of uh, a monthly subscription, basically. But Wonder Woman. Was on HBO Max. So, yeah. I mean, HBO Max is basically like... It's become Warner's, like, little digital offshoot. Yeah. And so, yeah. And then, you know, they made uh, major headlines, like, a month ago when they announced their 2021 slate. It's going streaming and theaters. So, that was a big shakeup. But, you know, the the first one to kick that off is Wonder Woman 1984. We've been seeing previews for this. For, for like two years. It feels like two years. I, I feel like... I'm just I, I'm glad it's out, so we don't have to see preview. Thank God. <laughs> but yeah, like, I mean, this this movie, it's obviously, it's a sequel to the first Wonder Woman, which grossed over $800 million yep. back in 2017. So it was, a, it was a huge hit. I mean, Patty Jenkins, known for, you know, one indie film and a bunch of TV, post-Wonder Woman, she's got her own Funko Pop. <laughs> She does have her own Funko Pop. Yeah. So, like, this was a major cultural event, this first Wonder Woman. You know, it had a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, I mean, critics loved it. I remember people were upset that it wasn't nominated for Academy Awards. They were upset that Patty wasn't nominated for Best Director. But let me tell you. The year Guillermo del Toro won (laughs) for Shape of Water. (laughs) So let let me like just the first Wonder Woman was good. Was it? However, the Justice League and Batman and the whole shebang, they have really crappy villains. And in the first Wonder Woman, it was a crappy villain. Yeah. I mean, the god Ares is a fantastic villain. And but like as depicted as in the film. As depicted in the film, it wasn't um, I remember it was laughable. Yeah. I remember it being laughable. I, um, I'm I had... like Lupin. <laughs> yeah, it was David Thewlis. <laughs> yeah. And, and Danny Houston was in that <laughs> yeah. also, right? I, yeah, I just, I, I remember the villains were very forgettable and ultimately kind of laughable. I, um, yeah, you, so you, you overall enjoyed the first Wonder Woman. I, um, I haven't rewatched Wonder Woman since the theaters, but I found it challenging in the theaters. I found it challenging to stay engaged with the picture it's almost two and a half hours long there's no real action until over an hour in it looks kind of terrible and phony and very cgi gal gadot and 
Chris Pine, they have some good chemistry. They have great chemistry. Chris Pine uh, arguably is the best thing about Wonder Woman. And, and Gal Gadot, it, I mean, I would have to say I love Gal Gadot. I think she's, I think she's, yeah. I think she's a great Wonder Woman. I think she's good as Wonder Woman. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I mean, no like, real complaints. That casting was phenomenal. Right on. Gal Gadot fits the role at 100%. Yeah. But the villains have just been laughable. But yeah, I, I express some skepticism about Kristen Wiig's casting. Uh, just mainly n- not because like she doesn't have the chops. Like Kristen Wiig is a very gifted uh, comedic actress. Yeah. I've seen her be very effective in dramas. It has nothing to do with like acting chops. There's a physicality yeah. required to this type of role in this type of movie. There's a transformation that's required. Well, there was something, you know, like Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy started off as like this geeky nerd. I'm thinking Catwoman. I'm thinking Michelle Fight vs. Catwoman, really. But no, it felt like that's kind of what they were going for. Yeah. That Selena Kyle transformation. Poison Ivy was a scientist. She was a nerd. And then she Are you thinking of like Batman Returns? Yeah, with Uma Uma Thurman. (laughs) I mean, that's a forgettable movie. I don't remember like all the beats of Batman and Robin with, (sighs) with Chris O'Donnell. Oh, whatever. <laughs> but I do remember Batman Returns very well. And I remember it doing this kind of very similar character arc. Yeah. Much more successfully. Yeah. Or like Arnold Schwarzenegger's what, Iceman. Like, that was a good villain. What? <laughs> Batman and Robin is trash. <laughs> like, that's a trash movie. <laughs> y- yeah. I mean, before we really get into the film, I, you know, I can say, like, this movie kind of falls into the trap of other superhero sequels and that it kind of doubles up on the villains. And... The best example of that working out is Batman Returns. Yeah. In my book, where you have Catwoman and you have the Penguin, and both are given meaty characters to play with good writing. And Batman is kind of a supporting actor next yeah. to these two. So that's a rare case where it worked. But in most cases, it doesn't. In most cases, it's overstuffed. Yeah. Is what happens. I, I just, I feel Marvel's got it. And. Justice League and and you know Batman and and that whole universe, they don't have it yet. They don't have that secret sauce. Well, they definitely stumbled with Batman v Superman, Donna Justice, and like maybe Aquaman was the best that they've they've had in a while. Well, I, yeah, I would argue like DC has been sort of hitting its stride with Aquaman and Shazam and Birds of Prey and Joker. I mean, it seemed like they were kind of on a winning streak. I'm in the minority, and then I really thought the first Wonder Woman was very disposable. I would put like the first Wonder Woman and Suicide Squad kind of on the same level. Yeah. I'm in the minority on that. I I, I understand that. I think they're both kind of garbage. <laughs> I was going to revisit Wonder Woman in preparation for the sequel. And every time like I thought about doing it, it's like so many other things I can do. <laughs> then rewatch this two and a half hour movie that almost put me to sleep. <laughs> so yeah, I was not a fan of the first. You liked it a little bit more than me. But yeah, in this sequel, you know, we kind of swap out the World War One setting. That was that was one of my main issues. Like, why was the first movie set in World War One? Yeah. Why would you make a Wonder Woman movie where she can't fly, and it's set in World War One? See, I disagree with you on that. I you I, like the World War setting? I do. To me, it did not make any sense. I do. I love that. Okay. That was that was one of my. Favorites. I want to see Wonder Woman in a modern setting, like well, interacting with modern people. This is what you got. On so this yeah, nineteen eighty four. And this, and this is... one, yeah, we're set in the eighties. It's set in DC, I think, for most of it. And yeah, this is a more modern setting. And I think right off the bat, I think the movie's more colorful than the. Oh, it's very much the more original color- film. Oh, of course, this movie. I mean, they yeah. shot it on thirty-five millimeter film, so it looks really good. There's a real vibrancy to it, and you know, the first couple scenes, I was feeling optimistic about it 
um, well, yeah, where we get this prologue, right? Like in the Themyscira. Well, yeah, with the with the young with young, young Diana. Diana. Yeah, and that, I mean that's a pretty good sequence. And she's really, going through all these trials well, and teaching her that you can't cheat life because she made a shortcut and heroes aren't born from lies yeah it's kind of this movie's like through line yeah and so yeah that was a decent scene i mean it's like 10 minutes long it's you know it's a little over long but that's a decent scene and then we get a pretty good scene like set in a mall where she's like you know taking down some jewelry thieves yeah (laughs) i thought this was a kind of a fun scene where there's comedy it's kind of family friendly yeah and there's a lot of energy to it and I was okay with the scene. I don't know. It kind of reminds me of your neighborhood Spider-Man. It's a little cheesy, but <laughs> you know, it's, it's a little cheesy, like but your, it felt your neighborhood Wonder Woman. It felt cheesy, but it felt like okay, this is a choice, and if we're going to lean in this direction, then that's okay. Yeah. Like then this is what Wonder Woman is. But no, it's. Uh, I mean, quickly after this scene, we're we're setting up the villains. Uh, I mean, this takes like an hour <laughs> to yeah. set up these two villains. So Diana and her got, work in the Smithsonian. Yeah. So let's, Diana Let's is, stop there. Let's pause it right there. Why is Wonder Woman working in a museum? Because it's history, and she's probably trying to find all the artifacts from her time. But that's not made clear. It doesn't. It's not. It doesn't seem like she has. It doesn't seem like she's there for any specific reason, could, other than like I need a. I need a fucking check. Well, it could be a place for her to hide, uh, but she knows she history. Okay. She can't like lasso up into the sky and hide somewhere. She has to hide in a like nine to five museum job. Hide in plain sight. This Wonder Woman chills out by having a cocktail out at a cafe just by yeah. herself. I love it. She wears she 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 drinks wine. She's she's my heart sister. Okay. She's relatable. <laughs> Is that what they're going? It's, yeah. To me, it seems very impractical that Wonder Woman would unwind in public. With a glass of wine. Nobody knows who she is. She's like, you know. Right. Like the Clark Kent. It's, yeah, the whole Superman Clark Kent thing. I mean, Clark Kent working at the Daily Planet makes sense. Her working at a museum is I think she's, an odd choice. I think she just likes history. <laughs> and she's like, hey, I remember this time. Because she's immortal. And what, she's been working here for like decades? I don't know. Oh, yeah. And she hasn't aged today. Okay, and so yeah, she's working at the museum, and one of her coworkers is Kristen Wiig. Yep. And Kristen Wiig is this long ass setup. Yeah, I mean, she is, you know, geeky, clumsy. Um, it seems like she has a crush on Diana, honestly. I think she's envious of Diana. She wants to be like Diana. I don't think she has a crush on her. Maybe not. I, I don't think, know. I, I mean, think she just sees that all the guys swooning, which makes sense because Gal Gadot is hot. I don't think sure. Kristen Wiig is hot. And they try to... They're trying. They're, they're trying they to sell try those. They make her hot. And they, I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> like, that's why I bring up Uma Thurman. Uma Thurman is hot. Or Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. When Michelle Pfeiffer does that transformation, yeah. like... Like, Hachimachi, yeah. Hello. Kristen Wiig is a beautiful lady. It's uh, for me the problem is like the movie is trying really hard to sell this. Yeah. To sell like her like edgy sex appeal. I don't, know, I don't even think she's that pretty. <laughs> well, I mean she's pretty. Don't I mean? But I, I have no problem with Kristen Wiig uh, other than like what she's trying know. to do in this role, and what she's trying to do in this role is not convincing. She's not like a sexy leading lady. <laughs> She's like the best friend. I just the yeah best friend on the side. I I feel like there's a way she could have served this movie, but like the movie aggressively trying to glam her up, 
and like kind of nudge the audience like hey yeah. pretty smoking hot right it was a little heavy-handed <laughs> and then like her whole transformation to the cat then it becomes laughable and, at, and, first, at first her performance yeah. goes from unconvincing to laughable and i i resent movies that make respectable actors look embarrassing yeah i mean directors like one base level job don't embarrass your actors like make them look their best and when she's in digital fur in the end like holy yeah. cow so it's the embarrassing whole, the whole basis of this movie is that they find this stone the monkey's paw the monkey's paw <laughs> or it's like the the the, the wishing stone you know, Diana, they don't they don't think that this stone is real. Um, you know, Diana made a wish to bring Chris Pine back. And Chris and Wig made a wish to make her special, um, to make her something different and things like that. And what they didn't realize was that the stone granted the wish but took something away from you. So with Chris and Wig, it was her humanity. It was her genuine niceness as a person. And Wonder Woman, it was her powers. Does she lose her powers? Mm -hmm. Her powers weaken. That's why she gives up Chris Pine. Is that why she likes sipping wine at cafes? No, that's... That was... (laughs) (laughs) No, but when she couldn't beat Kristen Wiig in the White House, it was because her powers... power was weakened. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah, I, a little trade-off, like kind of like a moral, moral quandary that and it presents you. Yeah. The big, uh, the big main. Yeah, we haven't even gotten to Pedro Pascal, who plays Max Lord. He steals the stone from the Smithsonian, from Kristen Wiig's office, and says that he want he wanted to he wished to be the stone. I wish to be the stone, and then yeah, like the stone evaporates into his hands, and so he became the wishing stone. And he's like and, a genie. He's yeah. like a make a wish genie but going in, around. But in order for him <laughs> to stay alive, he has to grant a lot of wishes, and the stone is requiring a lot more stuff in return. And ultimately, like starts um, like taking his health. Yeah, right? like he's bleeding from his ears, he's <laughs> bleeding from his nose. This is a pretty like batshit performance from yeah, Pedro Pascal. It, it, Again, it it like it starts kind of unconvincing and then yeah. it devolves into embarrassing. Like when he's like howling into like a green screen at the end. I don't know what the hell he's doing at the end. Just a beam of communication. He he brings it real over the top in this yeah. scene. And that's where I felt like, okay, this this is an embarrassing performance. Uh, with an otherwise like very respectable actor, yeah, and I I don't like seeing respectable actors embarrass and, themselves. And you th- honestly, I kind of wished for this character's death. <laughs> I mean, because you you really don't have any sympathy for him outside the fact that he's a father, and you know that was his saving grace, and he quote unquote redeemed himself. Well, yeah, and I mean, you know, spoilers here, uh, but yeah, by the end, um, he, he's he's just reunited with his son, fully fully redeemed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Th- that he, that's it. <laughs> like, well, yeah, and so like his son should be visiting his grave. That's what I or in jail <laughs> or something. But Putting flowers on the grave. But Wonder Woman couldn't defeat this guy, so what she had to do was somehow get her lasso of truth around his ankle and talk to him but he doesn't realize that she's got the lasso of truth around his ankle 
And she's talking to the masses at this point, asking them to renounce their wishes because that's the only way for the world to survive because all these wishes are making the world unstable. Nuclear war is, is imminent. Like there, there is a whole bunch of stuff because the president of the United States wanted more nuclear missiles. Do we get into all that? Yeah. In this movie? We get into like a nuclear threat. Yeah. I don't even know if I remember that. You don't remember. That was a whole thing. Well, at a certain point, I, I kind of started to check out of this movie. Yeah. It, it is two and a half you hours. You did glaze your eyes over. <laughs> But yeah, it happens. <laughs> so, so yeah. So that was the the premise, and then she is talking to everybody through him, and you know, with the lasso of truth, she is broadcasting the truth and what will happen to the world if people don't renounce their wishes. And so she gets everybody to renounce their wishes. And then even Pedro, the main villain, renounces his wish. So he is no longer the stone anymore to save his son. And yeah, there's a nice little touching scene with him uh, you know, reconciling with his son. I don't and, know and why Kristen we need Wade all this. She doesn't even die in this either. Like She has no remorse. We like, get a, I feel like she's going to come back as an as a villain in, in like Wonder Woman 2. Is she left three. as like a tiger? No. Is she like morphs back? Yeah. It's so dumb. I mean, we get a big dumb fight, a big dumb CGI fight with Wonder Woman and Cheetah. And it's... It, is that what her name is? Cheetah? Yeah. Ugh. I mean, apparently she's based from the comics. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, bad. Real bad. Like, as with the first, Chris Pine is kind of the bright spot. Well, yeah. And, you know, they, he gets brought back from, from the dead. Well, his spirit does. So his body isn't... He, he His spirit is stuck in some Joe Schmo's body. But she's the only one that can see his real face. Right. Everybody else sees the other Joe Schmo. Right. Yeah. It's a little confusing. And, but. you know, she is blah, blah, blah in love. And then she's having this conflict, internal conflict. She doesn't want to give him up. And He's, so, yeah, that takes up maybe like 45 minutes yeah. of them just kind of going on a nice DC date. Or like a nice little montage of him trying on 80s clothes, like a fucking Ken doll. Yeah. So there's also a trip to Egypt, I think, in there. Somewhere. Is there a trip to Egypt? Yeah, because he because the Pedro guy goes to the oil. Holy. <laughs> I know, like it's all over the place. There's just there's so much to set up with, and like very little payoff. Ultimately, yeah. I mean, we get we we get a couple of set pieces. I mean, there's uh you know there's a decent set piece with like a, a convoy of trucks. That she's like, you know, well, kicking that out of the was way. Cool. Yeah. When, that, when the movie kicks, Egypt. when the movie, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever this movie like shifts into action set piece gear, you know, like we did for those first two like introductory scenes, I'm I'm feeling way more engaged. Yeah. And you know, in the in that aspect, I feel like this this works a little bit better as an action movie than the first film did because the first film for me did not work. At all as an action film, because I mean you need action, and this movie, this movie does have some action. Yeah. To its credit, it just it really the it it feels like it just collapses by the end. Yeah. The longer I mean, it goes, it just it collapses. I mean, I guess like I don't know. I, I just people love these movies. Yeah. Like what? What the fuck? <laughs> well, I don't think a lot of people like this one. Um, I think the kids do, but I don't think the adults do. Uh, well, yeah, it has like a, a 65% rotten 
Rotten Tomatoes, you know, versus like, you know, the 93 versus, uh, on the first one. So, um, and they're not going to release their numbers until well, no, think- no, we know it, it made like 16 million over the weekend, which is the biggest opening since the pandemic. That's oh, more than that's more the than theaters. That's yeah, more than tenant. HBO Max isn't going to release it. Or, we don't know, yeah, what, what those numbers are, but they're going to release it, I think. How many people watch on HBO Max? They yeah. probably probably will. If it's a good number, yeah. they'll definitely brag about it. Yeah. yeah. But it did, I guess, it, what's encouraging is that it did pretty well in theaters. Yeah. Considering. Considering. That LA and New York. LA are and New, New York are closed, down. and it's also streaming yeah. simultaneously. It did uh, surprisingly well in theaters. So that's encouraging. I just, I wish it was a better film. <laughs> I really wish it was a better film um, or just shorter. Like, you know, if. If we're talking like an hour 45 yeah, and the movie sustained like, you know, that kind of like kid friendly, energetic, colorful tone from like, you know, the first couple scenes, I'd be down with this movie. But it is, it's like two and a half hours of like nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> and there, there's just a lot in it. It could have cut, been cut down a lot. Um, I mean, but, but yeah, do you consider this a date movie? It's no, but I, I mean the I stuff either. between Gal Gadot and Chris Pine. Yeah, that was cute. That works, you know, for date night stuff. I find like the gap, on, like on Rotten Tomatoes, kind of interesting because to me, like this is, it's about as bad as the first. I don't see this as like a huge drop off from the first. Uh, to yeah. me, they're both, they're both just trash. <laughs> <laughs> I would give this movie a C minus. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm the same. Yeah, I, like when you hear like Gal Gadot and Patty Jenkins talk about these films, they seem really proud of it. And I I mean I I want to these movies they're just they're not for me. They're not they're not for me. They're not made for me, I don't think. I I think that's what it is. They're not made for me and that's okay. Other people enjoy them, you know, and I I mean I say that as someone whose favorite movie of the year is Birds of Prey. So I can get down with comic book, girl power action, it, just, it needs to be under two hours and a lot better. So, yeah, why don't we take a quick break? And when we come back, we'll talk about Pixar's Soul. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
All right, we're back, and we are going to talk about Pixar's Soul. This is the animated film that features the voices of Jamie Foxx and Tina Fey. It's directed by Pete Docter, who also made Monsters, Inc., and Up, and Inside Out, some of Pixar's best. I mean, Pete Docter has a really solid track record, I would say. So, yeah, I mean, this movie, you know, like Wonder Woman, it was supposed to come out in the summer. You know, now it's just, it's available to stream right on Disney+. Plus. Unlike Mulan, you don't have to pay 30 bucks to see this. I mean, I don't know why. Mulan was 30 bucks, and then this one wasn't. Yeah, like, for like, this, I would gladly yeah. pay 30 bucks. For, for Mulan, like, I mean, I really feel gypped. <laughs> I'm still burned about paying 30 bucks for but, Mulan. But maybe that was something Disney was trying out with Mulan and then realized, eh, Probably not. Yeah, not good to do that. But <laughs> this was a good year for Pixar because they had Onward. They had two movies out this year. Two original films. I know. Ne- neither are franchise based. And yeah, I mean, let's just, let, let's take a moment of appreciation for Pixar because Man, Pixar changed my life with Monsters Inc. That was Pete Doctor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mix uh, Monsters Inc. is a great one. I mean, I've uh, they've been producing films for like twenty five years. It's amazing to like look at the first Toy Story. Yeah. Now, I mean, it looks it looks like um, something you'd see on like a local insurance commercial <laughs> in terms of like the animation well, quality. Yeah, the technology has definitely been yeah. um, adv- more advanced in, in ten years well, with, with the animation. With Toy Story, they could barely do human faces. Yeah. You look at the human faces on the first Toy Story, yeah. and it's frightening. <laughs> and but here with it's Soul. So here with Soul, I mean, it's I mean, we're we've really advanced, and it's been interesting to watch that medium, computer animation, advance like uh, year by year. I will say what I miss about Pixar, about like the 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 movie experience and the DVD experience and the whole shebang, was that little short story, little the short sh- film, the short film at the beginning of sure. of Pixar movies. I, I we didn't get that in this one. I mean, a Pixar short is, I mean, usually like... Oscar nominated. One of the best shorts you're going to see of the year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, not every film is at like five-star level, but I mean, they have a really consistent track record. But I, I'm consistently blown away um, by the imagination yeah. in these films. Like, I mean, they are really, really like next level with the imagination and the creativity. The only downside has been John Lasseter. Yeah. Didn't didn't he like get fired or oh no, he He, he was, was let go. Yeah, he was a he, sex pest. Yeah, there you go. And he I mean, he was the founder of Pixar. Pixar. Yeah. So that yeah, that's unfortunate, but thankfully there's uh, you know a bunch of artists there, you know, with tenure like Pete Doctor who are s- still leading the way yeah. with, with some great material. And so this film Soul, it's uh, you know, ostensibly about a struggling jazz musician named Joe who at the start of the film, it looks like he's on the verge of getting his big break after he auditions for a jazz quartet. And so immediately after this, you know, he's feeling pretty euphoric. He's walking around the town, takes place in New York City. And he just, he falls right down a a sewer well. Yeah. And is put into a coma. Yeah. And this this happens before the opening titles. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so really all I knew about this film was that it was about jazz and it it also dealt with the afterlife. Yeah. That that's really all I knew. So yeah, and so like a considerable section of this film does take place in the afterlife. Uh you limbo, I guess yep. you could call it. And, you know, the movie refers to this kind of metaphysical realm as the great before. And here, 
our guy Joe, he meets 22, who is voiced by Tina Fey. Yep. And uh, she's another soul in limbo. Yeah. Right? But she's been around for a while. She's been around for a long time because she hasn't earned her Earth badge yet. So right. she couldn't, she wasn't able to go to Earth yet, um, even after being like counseled by, you know, some of the great, some of the great, great minds, right? Minds of all time. Right. <laughs> and there's some laughs there. But yeah, I guess souls are granted earth badges. Yeah, to which come. gives them permit to like jump into a body. Yeah, and they and they're like babies. Like it's like baby souls. Right. But they're predispositioned, I guess at the at the beginning like if you're cranky or if you're optimistic, pessimistic, narcissistic, like it's all your personality is all chosen in this pre-life. Right. Or before life. And the movie, I mean, it it finds interesting ways to visualize things like uh, lost souls. Yeah. So it, this is a very mature subject for a Pixar yeah. movie, in my opinion. You're talking about the afterlife. You're talking about what what's your spark. You're talking about what makes you tick. The movie, yeah, the movie's about what drives us day to day and yeah. finding your purpose in life. I mean, that's, that's what this movie's really about. And appreciating life. Well, Whether yeah. it's stargazing or, you know, the the small pleasures of just eating a pizza, you know, a slice of pizza on the street or... Well, the movie yeah. has this uh, parable about, like, two fish. Yeah. One fish asks the other fish, like, how do I get to the ocean? Yeah. And the fish is like, uh, you're you're in it. Like, what are you talking about? And the fish is like, this is just water. I'm looking for the ocean. And that's, I mean, that's kind of like uh, the metaphor for the movie, which is like, don't lose sight of where you are now. Yeah. Right? Because, yeah. like, where you are now, like, you, you're living it right now. Live in the present. Live in the present. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. I mean, it, this is not a film that's catered for kids mm. <laughs> and its themes. I mean, you have, like, Tina Fey is kind of like a wisecracking buddy. And there is a section of this where it's like a mismatched buddy comedy. Yeah. Where, where they, they go back. Bodies. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it doesn't really feel catered to kids or, like, watered down for kids in any way. And that's one thing I love about Pixar. And also, yeah, I mean, this is an unpredictable movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I did not expect, you know, like, that second act twist where we go back to Earth. Joe goes into the body of a cat. Yeah. And 22 <laughs> goes into Joe's body. And there's a whole bunch of comedy that comes from that. Yeah. You know, it's not, like, just, like, slapstick antics. The comedy is rooted in character. Really, and a lot of the comedy yeah. illuminates the character. So, yeah, this is, uh, I mean... This is very well done. Really movie. strong work. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed this movie so much. Like I said, I, I just feel like it's very mature, and, and Pixar does these mature things, and it sets up that conversation to where if you do have kids asking you about, you know, what's going on, and, you know, you can have those conversations. It's just, I guess, easy transition. Into those conversations. Sure, yeah. I can see it working like that. And I, you know, Pete Doctor, he made Inside Out, which visualized the way our emotions kind of work inside of us, inside of our head. And, I mean, that was, that felt kind of visionary in the way, like, that was visualized. And he does the same thing here in the way he kind of visualizes the afterlife. Yeah. And it makes a lot of abstract concepts uh, digestible for the audience. Like, you can follow all, all of the interesting ideas that this movie's thrown at you. 
And so, like, this whole thing was, you know, 22 is trying to find her spark, trying to find out what makes her tick. And, you know, she she has to find that before she can get her Earth badge. And so how Joe felt like what your spark was was what you do really well and what you can, quote, unquote, get in the zone for. And that wasn't the case with how you get your spark it's 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 about appreciation of life it's about the you know all these other things versus what you think your passion is and and not being consumed with that one passion because you won't be able to have any other conversations with people outside of that passion yeah yeah the movie makes these points like it, it articulates them very clearly and in very entertaining ways i mean there's a Entertaining scene at a barbershop. Yeah. Where we get a lot of just interesting character information that, I mean, uh, illuminates, uh, you know, what this guy's going through. And um, the mom, I mean, when 22 is in oh, yeah. Joe's body, you know, they go to the, the barbershop and they go to the mom. Like at the barbershop, Joe always talked about uh, jazz. That's all he That's talked, all he talked about. about. Yeah. And he never really like asked other people about themselves. Mm-mm. And um, until 22 came into the body and, and opened and it up, opened up conversation. But yeah, you know, with the mom, you know, the, the kind of reversal with the mom at the end. I mean, I thought that was really touching. Yeah. When I mean, she finally gets on board with his dream, so to speak. And she does that, I guess, after like speaking to Joe, like through 22. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And. After he quote unquote makes it, you know, he he has like this feeling like I thought it would feel different. Yeah. And then that it's that theme of, you know, you have to find your daily spark. Well, yeah. And to, to keep you going. You to, have to find that thing to keep you going. Well, and I think that. Sometimes it's a moving target. So Joe's soul. So at the very beginning, Joe's soul, you know, he gets in. He, he goes down a, a pothole. And, you know, he's up and, and, and he's trying to get back to his body because he's, he's in a coma. So he's kind of in that lingering moment where he can still get in his body, right? So we, they got all the antics. They finally switch back into the regular bodies. And then he gets into the zone because 22 gives him the, 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 uh, plate, the, earth, earth, the badge. earth badge so he can go back to his body. So he goes back into his body and then he realizes that it's not just about the spark. It's not just about his music. And, you know, and he realizes that why he loves music is because he shared it with his dad. He shared it with his students because he was a teacher. He just it it was the, the, the sharing of that music was what he loved about it. And then he got in the zone and then they switch souls. He gave 22 back the earth badge. And then he was ready to die for 22. But he goes back into his body. He does because he gets a redemption. Right. And where does 22 go? We, I guess we don't see. We it. don't know. Okay. I mean, I'm going to. She just goes somewhere. Well, I'm assuming she's gonna, she's about to be born. And yeah, so there's a, a final exchange in the film where, uh, you know, one of the metaphysical beings, uh, they're sending him back. And they're like, how are you going to live your life? And he's like, I don't know, but I'm I'm gonna live every minute of it. Yeah, and yeah, that's uh, I mean, that's the closing line of the film, and that's kind of nicely sums up what this movie's driving message is. Yeah, which is to just live your life in the moment. 
and appreciate where you're at, what you have. An amazing film. I think it's a great date movie. Yeah, I would. I would say this for me. This is like top five Pixar. Yeah, I'll put this in like top five Pixar. Um, and yeah, to have like two original, really entertaining, like beautifully animated Pixar films. I mean, that's a nice gift in a bad year. It, it really is. So thank you, Pixar. Yeah, <laughs> for making two good movies this year. A. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definite it's a. an A movie. It's a date movie. So yeah, and I guess, um, and I guess that uh, that's it. I mean, one bad movie, one good movie. Give and take. You take you take yeah. what you can get. There you go. <laughs> and that's our show. You can find more episodes at anchor.fm slash movie date night, as well as on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, where you can rate and review. We're on Twitter at DN Movie Podcast, and you can also email us at date night movie podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Patrick. I'm Ashley. Thanks for listening. See ya.